They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Chatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of the Top End Pub. Yeah, 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 long weekends are great, but we need to change the focus. Particularly now, the pollies are so desperate and willing to sign off on everything. Change the focus to short weeks. Are you with me? 40 or 50 of them a year. Smith. Uh-oh. What's going on? More. Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Hurry up. drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishers and welcome aboard the Tinny on a week where we focus on life-changing issues. Change of life, change of time. The dry season is upon us. Forget the wet that was. Let's just wipe it from our memories. The skies are clear. The markets are running. The big comps are on the daily. And the southeasters appear here to stay. Let us change focus now. Let's not commiserate. Let's not look back in anger, Tim. Let's look forward with hope and optimism. It gives me hope and optimism that you're back on the tinny, Rob. It's nice to see you. How are you? I'm optimistic and hopeful. This is nice. Mm. Isn't this the time when our whinging just changes focus, though? We whinge about lack of rain, Mm. then we whinge about lack of rain Mm. and how hot it is, then we whinge about lack of rain, and now we start whinging about sou'easters. Yeah, lack of lack of rain. And, and it's too bloody cold. Why, why am I getting so ripped off that I have to wake up with a jumper on? Mm. Why are my Under- lips cracked? Why are my lips cracked? And why are these sou'easters so persistent? My kidneys are in constant pain. <laughs> my knees are buggered. Now, let's keep it optimistic. Yes. It's let's, going to be great. Let's keep it positive. I thought it was no more an appropriate a time as those Southeasters move in to talk to the man who knows how to dominate them mm-hmm. and who knows how to take charge. Southeasters actually turn tail and run northwest when they see this mm. man. Eddie Timpson, Eddie, uh, Evil Eddie Knievel, who specialises in uh, 30 to 40 knots plus. Airborne we'll give, aquanautics. Mm, we'll give some of, uh, some of his tips on on how to cope and managing <laughs> managing the kidneys as he heads wide. For those who have been doing that, I mean, the timing for Easter was great because it was, it was a pretty good window on the blue. Although the winds are coming up, blue water reports are just phenomenal. Off their brain. I mean, people getting huge triple tail, huge snapper, not many reports of the pelagics moving in yet. And it seems billfish are still slow, even with a comp on this weekend, the Dundee uh, Carton... Carton clash. The Carton comps on. Uh... Reports on the billies haven't been that good, but on the bottom, man, reds, as I said, goldies, every, take a pick of your And a species. lot in shallow water too. Yeah, a lot of people are reporting you don't actually have to go. You don't have to trudge all the way to the parents off, uh, you know, or North Gutter or out to Fenton, but that's a matter of the t- sort of time and hard work that you and I don't have the energy or interest in putting in these days. 
So stay tuned for tips on the blue and across all the big rivers and maybe even a little bit of a hunt around the billabongs on Tales from the Tinny. Hope and optimism, Tim. Hope and optimism. There's not much you can really do when you're stuck on a sandbar. They smash it. It's got a bit of paint missing. It's a big jig. This thing is bulletproof. Tales from the Tinny. Down the track to a wise man. A wise man we kneel at the feet of with crossed legs and uh, baited, baited breath. Breath smelling like bait. Waiting for the wisdom to fall <laughs> out of his magnificent gob. Been waiting over a decade. <laughs> it's it. a long... I mean, this is what helps keep us zen and calm. That's right. Is the long, patient wait. How are you, Warren? I'm good, boys. How are yourselves? Yeah, not too bad. How did the daily end up going over Easter after that flush came through and it dropped? Did you hear much? Yeah, it was a little bit tough. Uh, Because of the bigger tides, it sort of shut it down a little bit. Um, But those who sort of went upstream and fished up in those freshwater sections of all the rivers and, and did quite well. I've seen some really good photos of fish that have got caught both in the upstream stretches of the Daly, the upstream stretches of the Vic, and also the Roper. So because of the big tides, those guys who know that if they get out of the tidal influence and head up into the freshwater with the full moon coming up on uh, Friday night, you can get some really good sessions going in some places in the, in the moonlight. So those guys who went out there and had a crack at doing that seem to have done fairly well. Well, that was... That's surprising. I mean, that's some of the wise, and I take it back, that's some of the wise advice you gave us on the tinny last week. For those who sat at the altar and kneeled before the Ayatollah and took on that advice, you might have done well. If you had paid attention, Timothy, instead of sitting there scratching your genitals (laughs) and thinking about it. I would have been upstream too. (laughs) (laughs) We're still waiting on the top of the south, though. Yeah, there was a few fish actually got caught up on the south over the Easter break. It wasn't fishing fantastic, but I reckon this weekend's tides are coming on to those neap tides now, so I reckon there'll be a fair bit of activity up top there this weekend. There's lots of mullet coming up the river system of the Vic. Those guys who were down there on the weekend uh, fishing on those bigger tides reckon they could almost walk across some of the sand flats with the amount of mullet that's coming up the river at the moment. So having said that, I would imagine that most of the river systems now should start seeing that run of mullet come up. We're well and truly at the death knell of the uh, wet season, so we're into the dry season and blowing quite strong southeasterlies down here at the moment. And I was talking to a couple of blokes who were at the mouth of the Roper and couldn't even get out the front over Easter or a couple of days ago because it was so windy. So that southeasterlies picked up. Over Easter it wasn't too bad, actually. The, the wind was pretty good because when you look at offshore, those guys who went out into the blue water did exceptionally well and had exceptionally really calm weather, which was really good over those four days of Easter. So the winds uh, will say that the mouths are going to be pretty unattractive. You're better staying up the top reaches of those rivers, Warren? Yeah, definitely. You're better off just following that green water down the rivers now so that uh, you're just following as it drops out each day as the tides get deeper and deeper. Just keep coming down further, especially on the daily. There's going to be a lot of traffic on the daily now with the Barra Classic starting pretty soon. So there'll be lots of people out there doing their pre-fishing, just checking out some of the areas that uh, they want to fish during the comp and just basically getting a feel of where the rock bars are and where the the logs and snags are at the moment as well because it is fairly low down there for this time of year. Um, So it's going to sort of test a few people's uh, ability to manoeuvre down that daily without taking off their leg of their outboard. Now these uh, mullet that uh, people are allegedly doing the Jesus Cristo and walking across waterways on top of it. I actually saw a post this week on the Darwin um, land-based Barra Facebook site. Yeah. Uh, It was one of the biggest posts of the week. Hundreds and hundreds of comments. 
Hmm. A guy landed three uh, deep sea racing mullet. Oh, true. Yeah, land based off Darwin. Hey, they're yeah. running thick everywhere. <laughs> they, are they Everyone was stoked. Oh. There they were, blooded, ready for the smoker. <laughs> was... You've defended the the value of smoked mullet before. I was have. that you? It was. Yes. You fresh sh- off the fresh out of the water, fresh out of the smoker. Useless poo eating creatures that you you want to be with. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, but let, back to the question: Are they those big mullet that are coming up the? Uh, are they deep sea racing mullet or moving they, their uh, way upstream? Or are they barrel lollies. Are they diamond scale mullet? Are the deep sea racing mullet? Is that the ones you're that, talking about? That's them. Uh, They're deep sea the, racing the scale. That, deep yeah. sea 12, racing mullet. They're 12 inches. <laughs> that you cannot, you cannot penetrate yeah. through even with a 12 gauge shotgun. And we have... No, we haven't tried. No, you know. That, because no, that would be against no, the law, no, Tim. Is, are uh, they them? Just the normal Popeye mullet. And no, there's some, some mullet coming up that are the sea mullet, but they're not that big as yet. I don't think a lot of the mullets got to the maturity of being up into that diamond scale size as yet. But there will be some definitely coming up on those bigger tides. And certainly you would expect a lots of, um, you know, that six to eight inch size mullet now riding up on the next set of bigger tides when they come through. So next couple of weeks it should be interesting just to see what does turn up and how those barra come in if they do follow them up the river and stay up in the systems for a little while before they move back down towards the, the mouths of the river systems again. Now you mentioned the southeasters are starting down your way. Are we uh, is should our minds be turning to pelagics? Oh, definitely. Um, there's definitely a lot of good activity offshore. Um, it's only going to be the problem is the wind now, because uh, if that southeasterly starts really pushing hard off Dundee and all the rest of it, even though you get a fair bit of protection from. The, the shore, once you get out a little bit, it certainly starts to become quite um, rough or a little bit um, up and down, I suppose, and it can make fishing a little bit more difficult. But mackerel will start moving in closer and closer and people are catching sailfish and, and micro marlin on the weekend also out off Dundee. So there's still plenty of those floating around as well. Acres of tuna, I mean, there's lots and lots of tuna out there. So you can find those, you'll more than likely find your mackerel and also your sailfish and your marlin hanging around those uh, tuna because they're also feeding on small bait fish as well. Yeah, luckily Dundee, I mean, the weather was just gorgeous over Easter and I was down there, you know, complete and utter bedlam, Warren, as you'd expect. There would have been 100 plus (laughs) boats and, you know, flat out. Everything seemed to be working pretty well for a big Easter without the tractors. But a lot was saying that, I mean, it was glass off in the morning, so it was a bit different. But a lot at the filleting table were saying that, that as these sou-easters come in, it's just about picking your timing in the day, getting in at sun up and going out with a sou-easter, coming back after it swung to the northwest, and there's still heaps of fishing close, if you know where to go. Yeah, definitely a really good time of year to get out there and have a crack at them. And you go early in the morning before that wind gets up too much. And then, as you say, as it starts to swing around and you get the afternoon sea breeze starting to take effect, you'll get a bit of a lull in the wind. And that's probably your opportunity to come back in towards Dundee. I did see a post on the weekend where someone slipped their boat off their trailer on the boat ramp at Dundee. Yeah, I met, I I met that bloke. That one, yeah, he was in a little one of those twin hull boats. Mm. I don't know what happened. I saw the photo. I think it was he was launching. And I, I just felt for the guy. I mean, someone stuffed up. But dropping your boat on the ramp at during Easter. a launch at Easter <laughs> with 98 other boats up your bum trying to get in to, before the low tide, that can't have been pretty. That's like leaving your bungs out of your boat and sticking yeah. it in the water yeah. and then have to swim back to shore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done that a few times. Haven't we I've all? I've done that a few times. Haven't so we all? Lessons yeah. hard learned, learn Warren. Lessons. lessons and pearls are plenty at the feet of the Ayatollah today. We thank you indeed, my friend. All right, all the best. Let's hope the wind doesn't blow too strong over the weekend. Cheers, Warren.
Hi, I'm Hiro. Uh, dry season has just started. Uh, the water is very clear, and so I can see Baramandi chasing my lure. Much fun. Did you just cast at that dolphin, Hiro? No, 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 no. <laughs> I never, I never cast to dolphin. <laughs> I'm a good person. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. Anthony Bergamo's from East Arnhem Fishing Adventures, also president of the Nullumboy Fishing Club and been plying his trade across the uh, rivers out at East Arnhem. How are you, Anthony? Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. Yourselves? Yeah, bloody good. Some reasonable fishing in the Buckingham River. Yeah, or the next one over, yeah. Been pretty good. You got a bit more rain out that way than the rest of the Territory did out of this uh, poultry wet season, I believe, mate. Has that been the case? Yeah, we had very, very little until April and then um, we decided to hold a Barracon for the month of April and we got absolutely dumped on for two weeks and it put a bit of a dampener on the fishing here, to be honest, for a lot of people, but definitely made it a little bit wetter. The silver lining, well, hopefully, is that it's made for better barra fishing after it or was it too late like everywhere else? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think it's been a bit too late. Um, a lot of the rivers are just run fresh and They've pumped it all out and there's nothing left. We didn't get anything to hold up the backs of them and it flushed a lot of the lagoons around them, I think, but that was about it. Well, talk us through how it's looking in those river systems you fished just recently. Um, I think the Cato and that in um, Arnhem Bay, I think they've got a really good flush out. Um, we tried to drop a pick up there the other week when it was just running just about pure fresh and the whole bottom, it's definitely had a clean out. It's all rubble now where it was normally mud, so... I think that's a good thing. It's actually given them a bit of a flush, which it hasn't had for a few years. And then just going over towards another river there, the Guru you could see a lot of the coastal creeks were all just, like, pouring out fresh. So I think it's a good thing in one respect that it's filled everything back up over here and given them a flush. So I would have got a lot of those juveniles out and into the system. How was the fishing in the end? Uh, it was very tough in the rivers with the fresh, but out the front there was a few fish getting around. I think, yeah, we did about four hours fishing for the two days because we couldn't find anything with the fresh and when we did we got 40 or 50 barrels so it was all right <laughs> just, oh, yeah, that's all right what you, what's the problem what sort of size problem? what sort of size range mate well, 89 was the best apart from 72 and then everything else was you know 45 to 60 you know there's a lot of smaller fish so getting onto that patch of 40 or 50 what what was the difference how did you find them and what were the conditions where they were holding oh they're all out the front on the headlands that was the biggest thing, trying to get away from the fresh and finding some salt water. And even out where we were there, you taste the water, it was all fresh out the front as well. But there was definitely fish about. That was a good thing. Apart from the barra, mate, was there any other species in, in that same sort of habitat? Salmon or jacks or anything? Plenty of blue salmon about. No jacks. I think we've got a couple of little finger marks. I know in the bay here I've seen a lot of good catches. The boys have been getting a few barrows and some jacks and... Some nice salmon the other week. What's your feeling, mate? When you, I mean, you're obviously out there targeting barra. What's your yep. feeling when you hook up and uh, see or feel that it's a blue salmon and not a barra? <laughs> yeah, well. Are you dejected? Like, are they considered a pest on your boat? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Rat. Yeah, pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> good for nothing. Not even a bit of a chew. Oh, good for cutting an up and putting in a crab pot. There we go. There we go. There, there we go. go. You won all, you won all the other when it comes to, the, to <laughs> when it comes to blue salmon, Rob. Yes, every one of God's creatures has a purpose, Jim. Yeah, even the mullet, even right. the deep sea racing mullet. <laughs>
Yes, that's right. Yep. <laughs> so they've been fishing okay closer to Gove. How about offshore around Nullumboy itself where the brigade are heading? Oh, mate, we were very gutted. Um, the day before the rain started here, we went out marlin fishing. We had two boats out there. We dropped four black marlin to around 120, 150 kilos. <laughs> and um, the other boat was up our butt and I think they caught our first one that we missed which was around probably 80 and they got a sailfish as well and um, then the rain started and the southeasters kicked in and no one's had an opportunity to get back out. Oh that was a good opportunity, so, a good window you got though, there's some serious uh, marlin. Yeah well we had the ladies comp as well two weeks earlier and we got one in that that was about 120 kilos for first time angler Amy so she was pretty wrapped with that and uh, two weeks prior to that in my boat and fishing with another bloke on his boat, we caught four and dropped six, I think, over that two-week period. Fantastic. So, that augurs yeah. well for the season ahead, mate? I hope so, yeah. I'd love to think the next season's going to be that good because there was a lot of black marlin caught here that, this last year, which was great. In, in terms of marlin and the bill fishing around Gove, is that the season coming to an end? It, it winds down through the dry season, does it? Mate, to be honest, I don't know if it does or not, and I don't think anyone does. Just no one wants to go out in 20 knots to south-easterly and get flogged. Yeah, the wind's the so. thing that just stops you trying. Pretty well, mate, yeah. Mm. Like, we wanted to go out yesterday, and unfortunately the weather came, and, you know, I got out on Monday out to the islands, and we had a great day poppering for GTs and got some nice trout and cod, and unfortunately old mate's gear wasn't up to it when we finally found the real ones, but... You know, it was a bit crap, to put it nicely, and, um, the, you know, yesterday was blowing, so hopefully Friday we can get out, saying it's going to drop, but, you know, a dropping here now is sort of 15 knots, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. Yeah, listen, uh, just quietly, do you want to nominate old mate whose gear wasn't up to scratch? You want to, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Want to drop name, a name? Name names. Oh, Marty from Darwin, mate, yeah. Marty, yeah, if yeah. You, this is the country where you've got to head out with gear that can take it. Oh, he thought he did, and I sort of thought, well, yeah, maybe, but, um, yeah, nah, 50-pound braid just wasn't enough. He had a nice rod there with 100 on it, and I think he needed every bit of that and more. Yeah, yeah you're not in Darwin anymore, Dorothy. No, mm. no. Nah, nah. Yeah, there's a few real ones over here, so, ah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good note to leave it on, actually, Anthony. Yeah, nice no, little good, nice little smack back to the Darwin anglers. This is where, <laughs> if you want to get real ones, come to go. Come to my country. <laughs> good, good on, on you, you, Anthony. Th- nice to no catch worries, up with you. Boys. Yeah, you too, mate. See you later, eh? Hoys never cease, Tim. Whether the wind dost blow, the snow dost fall, which is pretty few and far between around our part of the paddock, of course. Whether the heat is appalling, the monsoon is upon us. The hoys are always there. Got a hoy on Facebook this week. You would have seen this too, fish eyes, of that big shark, the big two-ton great white. Oh. It's kind of like when you take a bite out of your steak sanger and you're just hanging for it, you know, you're begging. <laughs> but you go a bit far, yeah. beyond common decency, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the point where you, you know, your enthusiasm almost chokes you. Yeah, yes. Like Grandma Moore used to say, Timothy, you need to chew a hundred times before swallowing. I thought that was an overreach, Grandma. Oh. Try a hundred. Try chewing anything a hundred times. I'm lucky to get five. I'm lucky to get one. 
Anyway, this two-ton great white shark took on a turtle and choked, came off second best. You would have seen it. Like those big pussy cats that they catch in septic land that uh, end up eating basketballs. You seen photos of them? No. Massive big catfish. They get in the bayou or the... Oh, the catfish. Yeah, yeah. That uh, mistakenly chew on a, a net boy or a basketball that some cruel young chap has thrown in there and then giggle their head off. Look at that catfish. It's got a basketball in its mouth. That is a stupid catfish, though. I mean, that yeah. they're fairly stupid. But oh, that's like a massive big jaffer, I suppose. Mm. Hey, this was good news too, Fisho's $8.5 million contract mm. awarded for four new engineered artificial reefs across Darwin. This is out of that $50 million buck rec fund. Uh, so there'll be two between North Gutter and Lee Point, one in Dundee, and one between the Vernon Islands and Cape Hotham. That is bloody good. Yes, artificial. proper job ones. Yeah, and not just shopping trolleys cable tied together or sunken shipping containers. The mob awarded the contract as designed and built 17 of them elsewhere, apparently. So they've got the runs on the board. They're steel and concrete, sit on the sea floor as opposed to the fads. Oh, you wouldn't have heard. Four of those five fads are gone. Oh, really? Yeah, they went missing. Oh, my God. Yeah, fad man's devoed. He would as, be. As he would be. Oh, and and he's just hiding them somewhere to keep himself in perpetual work. And, uh, <laughs> oh, that was a cruel slag. That was it? rough. <laughs> fad man doesn't deserve that. Anyway, uh, back to these. So they sit on the bottom and you bottom bash and, and hopefully bring pelagics around them as well. Good news, we'll give you the GPS marks when they're done and dusted and underwater. Darwin Fisher forced to swim for life after his boat sank in croc-infested Buffalo Creek on Friday morning. Ned Schaefer was about 60 metres from shore when his 12-footer sank. Guess why? Well, yeah, we forgot to put the bungs in. Launched the boat straight in and, yeah, <laughs> couldn't get back to the ramp. Water already started coming over the back. Before another boat even come round, the yeah, tide was at the bottom of the mangroves and everything was floating. So I just decided to start swimming across the river. The boys were saying you would have beaten me in thought that night. <laughs> Did you lose much gear? Yeah, rods, lures, tackle, sounder, motor. I was looking about 10 grand for that crab and trip and didn't even get one buck. <laughs> Poor bugger, Ned. Ned Schaefer, who was quoted as saying, my asshole was clenched pretty tight on the swim back. Yeah, Ned. Which uh, I think uh, possibly goes without saying. His mates Jonas and Josh uh, watched from the ramp where they are waiting for Mr Schaefer to turn the boat around and pick him up to go crabbing. A crabbing trip that never eventuated, as mm. he alluded to there. There was nothing we could do to help him, Mr Claris said. That's Jonas. At first, he tried to save his phone and was holding it up, but then realised it was better to swim as fast as possible. So he used it as a paddle. Used the phone as a paddle? Used the phone as yeah. a paddle. I hope it was one of those really modern ones with quite a bit of, you know, a bit of grasp on the water. Oh, yeah, know? they're as big as your head. Yeah, you don't the, want a little Nokia or something. No. That wouldn't be doing you much good. Uh, went back in the outgoing tide that night and managed to get the boat back on the trailer, but still oh, good. a fairly expensive little exercise. Hey, I saw on Facebook Waddy's had his first run in Bino Harbour for 2019. Six species and a hell of a good time, he says, but here's a little insight into what it's like aboard that boat. There's a bit of timber just at the mouth there, bud. You can see one stick poking out there. Listen to the clinic. So they'd be hanging in around that as well as eating those prawns. But you can let him sink down pretty deep. Still only a metre and a half, but try and roll him along the bottom. Okay, Professor, I'm listening. There's some good salmon in there, eh? That was a barra. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well done. Yeah, good work. Yeah, well done. Ooh. Good job. Look at the bear wave coming out there. 
And and so it continues. Good day in Bino for that mob. Listen he, to the authority though in the voice. Oh, what you got in there, fellas? Yeah, is, just uh, on the snare, slow roll, thanks to you guys. <laughs> he said at the end of it, "I'm not Steven Spielberg's love child." I so I went and googled a picture of Waddy against Steven Spielberg, and then against Steven Spielberg's son. Because I wasn't quite sure. I think what he's referring to is how woeful the video was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just very... Don't, he doesn't very, anything like Steven Spielberg. He certainly it, hasn't got the loot. Very <laughs> very poorly produced uh, production there. Mm. Uh, big news this week, too, that we must mention in Hoy. Did you hear Jason Rogers is on a billboard? Oh, jo- not, jo- only, not only heard, Tim, saw. Yeah, he's actually on a billboard. Apparently, the girl's gone fishing comp. He was telling everyone who'd listen, look, I'm a big deal. Do you know who I am? I'm on a billboard. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason. You might know me from the My billboard. billboard work. And, and I have verified. I've seen the pics. Have you seen the pics of uh, him on a billboard? Oh, yeah. I actually came out of the airport and was quite stunned. There's Jace. I thought this. it might have been a partnership or possibly an opposition to the Frothy Waffle campaign. Oh, we try and get you here. Jace is trying to keep him away from the fishing holes. Yeah, it's, it, it's <laughs> anti-boundless possible. Yes. I actually saw a photo which Jace sent me of Jace in front of Jace on a billboard. Oh, wow. So it is confirmed. He's, That's a bit Clive Palmer, isn't it? He's on a billboard. I enjoyed seeing Jace actually at the Dundee filleting table over Easter. Yeah. You know, with a a mob around him of well-to-do and well-known and very well-respected fishers. Because they'd seen him on the billboard. Well, I just screamed out, Do you know who this guy is? He's on a billboard! This this is the dude on the billboard! Hmm. So congratulations for being on the billboard show. Uh, Another little side note, uh, uh, our mate at the Tinny, uh, Hugh, he he needs uh, some advice and some thoughts from us both, Rob, and and from you, fishers. He's well-known to the Tinny. He's given up on Beryl from Lifeline and taken to the Kimberley on this big three-month road trip with his son for some psychological counselling and some solace. But as is the way with the man who's heard solace often... Solace does not t- follow him. It, it doesn't fit. The ambition of a calming and settling reconnection with nature in the middle of nowhere, camping his way across the north, came to an abrupt end when he tried to light his first campfire and he's, he's been in contact with, uh, with me and the tinny for some comforting. Uh, good evening once again there, thanks Tim. Who the f*** makes beer cartons some of the hardest cardboard to light there, thanks Tim. It should go hand in hand. Uh, empty the carton, throw the f***ing thing on the fire there, thanks Tim. Why does it take half a lighter to get one bit of cardboard to light out of it? so much gloss and crap on it there, thanks Tim. Can't we just revert back to, uh, the brown paper bag type scenario there, thanks Tim. Plain packaging, maybe. Thoughts, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> he was doing some lovely things, Tim. Work there. What are your thoughts, Rob? I think Hugh has a bloody sound point. In the old, in my day, Tim, they were beautifully combustible. Well, they're not anymore, man, and it doesn't make sense because a carton goes hand in hand after being finished with sitting down by a campfire and incinerating it. And they are the hardest cardboard in the world to light. And I. Not surprisingly, Hugh isn't over yet. He's, he's back, this time with a video to prove his point. All right. Demonstration. Expertly placed uphill into kindling everything. Gone out. What an absolute marketing ploy it would be to just make the f-ing things burn there, thanks, Tim. They get a slight bit of rain and they're like peaked. Impossible to burn. You're going for the Scott towel and the toilet paper there, thanks, Tim. 
Trying to enjoy the sunset. All right, let's try again. Another quarter of a lighter, <laughs> expertly placed into kindling. Ah, it goes on and on. Out again. <laughs> Not trick films. Uh, <laughs> This just doesn't He's having stop. a rough time. Is the Look, solace eludes him. Yeah, I, I've got a proposal anyway. The TFT FFP, the Tales from the Tinny Fishing First Party, has been absent for a long time. Mm. We've been looking for fresh new policies to make this country great again, have we not, Robert? We have, oh, we're always on the search for great policy, Tim. To bring back the working man and working woman's lifestyle. So, seeing we're in campaign mode, why wouldn't we relaunch this, our campaign, TFT FFP for the federal election, to legislate that all beer manufacturers infuse their cartons with a mild mix of petrol and diesel at the factory. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how this would go down with the greenies. I'd, I'd rather go retro, Tim. Just back to the old standard corrugated cardboard days. You used to breathe no, through I'm, the channelling. I want an infusion of combustibles. Not only do they burn them, <laughs> they actually become your jump back when you've got to get a, a fire started. There's no more need, Rob, to chuck a Tupperware little container or a cup of petrol in and put yourself into RDH Burns unit. So it's a safety measure. So this is, this is obviously an essential part of the more camping experience, the jump back, is it? Correct. Mm. Correct. You can use it to signal for a rescue chopper if in Hugh's inevitable case you, you end up needing a rescue partway through this trip. Anyway, that's policy number one for me. Are you in? I'm in. TFT FFP. It's back, fishos. Shoot it, share it, shout it! Give us a point. G'day, I'm Evil Eddie Knievel. How you been, Eddie? Oh, pretty good, mate. Been out and around and doing a bit of fishing. Living the dream? Living the dream. We've been uh, heading out. Uh, we did a trip out to the Vernons, despite everyone saying that the fish were going off everywhere in Darwin. We went out for a whole day and couldn't manage a scale. Except for a couple of little pesky GTs. You can't even really count them, can you? Not really. They're good for numbers, but these were just too big. You can't eat them. What were you doing wrong, Eddie? Oh. Was it too calm? Maybe it was too calm. Yeah, maybe that was the go. Good fishermen, not that I'm a good fisherman, but good fishermen always have some bad days, and that was the bad day. You particularly have bad days when it's glass out and perfect. You, you tend to excel in 40 to 50 knots plus, don't you? Oh yes, we do. We uh, went out last monsoon down to the moil. You must watch the apps. You're looking for big winds and massive squall lines. Yeah, that, that's the deal. If I can't get the boat airborne, it's not big enough. And you know, this trip we really nailed it. Didn't get any barrow, but uh, really nailed the jewfish and the snapper and did really well for the time that we were out there, but uh, coming home was a bit rough. Went through a tropical storm off Dundee and had lightning all around the boat, and that was uh, pretty adventurous. Just a note for shows that when Eddie says he likes to get his boat airborne, this boat is nine metres. It's about two tonne worth of boat alone with uh, 900 litres of fuel in it, and when it gets airborne, it's a big wave. Yeah, so we did another trip on the glass off, out to the parents, big mistake. Um, not many fish, unfortunately. The pattern is really stacking up. It is, yeah. We, we put in the miles, we went out wide and uh, caught jack <laughs> all day. Got the forecast wrong. Yeah, got the forecast wrong. I promised big fish as well, so I promised big jewfish, I promised big snapper, and we went out there and caught some tiddlers and that was about it. Look, it depends on the mark. 
Um, we did a trip down to one of my favourite spots um, in another monsoon. We cleaned up there again. So I think it's just knowing what spots will produce and then being able to fish them when it's rough. Because when it's calm, there's just no fish. And often when you talk it up beforehand and promise you're going to deliver big fish, it's when you deliver nothing. Every time. You talk it up in the car, you get down to the boat ramp, you put the boat in the water, and then it just all turns to So nine metres, two tonne airborne is your happy place. How on earth do you use this boat for barra fishing? I've got this mentality that, you know, if it fits, just stick it in there. Like, I've had this big boat up, you know, the tightest of creeks, and it, you can always run the boat up, up the bank to turn around if you have to. But you just have to get it in there and the fish will come. <laughs> and it stops anyone else getting in pretty conveniently too, doesn't it, on a river? Yeah, yeah. You can actually park it sideways in a creek and nobody else can get in. It's amazing. <laughs> you, uh, you recently skipped Girls Gone Fishing. Uh, did that approach work? Uh, not particularly on Girls Gone Fishing. There was a lot of competition. Um, so we decided to raft up and turn on the sound system instead, which was a much more productive use of time, I think. <laughs> How did that go down with other anglers, Eddie? Oh, look, I think they just weren't in the party spirit. <laughs> they were a bit too competitive, I think. But, uh, you know, that, that's, that's fishing. Um, and, you know, we had a great time, so that's what it's all about. We had about 20 at one stage on our vessel. It, it was pretty well packed. There was people on the roof, people on the casting deck, people down the back. It, it was a good time had by all. Was it a good time with the fishing? No. We caught one catfish for three days, so we did it pretty tough. First day there was looking really good um, before the comp, and then overnight the river came up three metres and uh, shut the fishing down for us. Um, some people did catch some fish, but they were very, very concentrated in the areas that they were. The other obvious problem is that on the Daly River it's generally calm. The, the waves were about 100 mil. It, it just, they weren't big at all, and just not cricket. It's been great to see you again Eddie, perhaps we'll catch up in around November, December as the first monsoons roll in and you can really be delivering some of the rare uh, and sought after wet season monsoon and cyclone fishing reports. Very interested in that, uh, I think that potentially this dry season we can get some really strong winds and that'll really get the, uh, get the waves tubing so you know if you can surf it it's just about right. Let's see you in about June, July with a 30, 40 knot sou'easter. Nice work. Will do. Tales from the Tinny. Now, what have we learnt there, Rob? That Eddie doesn't give a rat when he's uh, been on the gargle? Well, that's true. But while there was bugger all on the fishing front, obviously, in that discourse, what else we've learned is that you can fish in monsoons and clean up, that getting airborne isn't always a bad thing on your boat. This is the first thing we ever learned about. Eddie. Eddie. He actually went into some details of how he designed the boat, which I thought was interesting. It was properly drawn up, custom-made on, on CAD, and built to exactly 28 foot, because in the top end, that's the average swell wave duration from peak to peak. It's not the duration, Tim. I think you find that's the wavelength when you're talking peak a to peak. A wavelength from peak to peak. I've assigned your sort of wave. So you've got where the constant, the yeah, constant okay. is, the, is the speed no of light. And no fish o cares. It's the inverse of the frequency. And no one you but you... So frequency, if represented by okay, F from equals peak to, C over the top of... Okay, from peak to peak, 
a lambda. Stay with lambda me, Fishers. Be, lambda being from the peak Greek to, letter for that, wave okay, that, that represents wavelength. Okay, thanks very much. Yeah. From point to point, from tip to tip. If wavelength. The wavelength is 28 foot, right? You good? Carry on. Man, how have we gotten along? So averagely. It's because you know, he keeps so punching me years. at the pub afterwards. <laughs> so the whole idea is, with that design, you're just driving over the... Just like driving over corrugations at full noise yes. on the old Gunpoint Road. What corrugations? You're riding on top of them. So Eddie's at full throttles 42 knots on his 300 horse outboard and is literally skipping the wavelength of 28 <laughs> foot, riding on top. In big winds, he does Dundee to the Perrins, and we're talking big proper winds... In rough weather, in under 45 minutes. So the prop would be in and out of the water. Does it have like a... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uses 100 litres an hour to get there, <laughs> mind you. But who cares? Tales of the city! Get a This is Erin. I am a new fisherman. I've always dreamed of having the chance to one day maybe catch a barramundi in Kakadu. I never really had much of an opportunity to go fishing. That was always much more Dave's uh, side of the thing, my husband Dave. He's uh, enjoyed fishing with my cousin Muncie multiple times before and uh, has had some good luck, um, but not the sort of uh, luck that I managed to achieve on the day that we went out uh, on Easter Friday. Erin um, had never really been that keen on fishing. She'd always left it as my uh, as my passion. It was going to be some tough fishing. Erin decided to come along anyway, even though it was going to be a pretty long, hot day. And, uh, you know, I, I told her that we're going to go a long way from the boat ramp. We wouldn't be able to turn around and bring her home if she wanted to come home, and she agreed to those terms. And it was a pretty tough fish. Uh, we caught a couple of uh, small barra uh, in the middle of the day and then for about four or five hours, nothing, nothing at all. And I was kind of wondering when Erin was going to give up. And just before the sun was setting, uh, we managed to get one on the line. Um, the second I had it on the line, the fish jumped out of the water and all I could see was its huge, huge uh, white throat uh, as it was trying to shake the lure out of its mouth. Um, clearly I had no idea what I was doing because I'd never gone fishing for Barra before. And all we could hear was, uh, I'm on, I'm on, what the hell do I do? <laughs> and uh, Muncie, being the great captain that he is, uh, managed to get the boat out into the middle of the river and get this monster fish away from the bank and away from the snags. I grabbed onto Erin's belt to make sure she wasn't going to get pulled into the river because she's, uh, she's pretty tiny. And we just told her what to do. Probably, I think it maybe took about 15 minutes to get the fish on board, but the guys were unbelievable. You know, Muncie just got the boat into the perfect position. The guys just told me, you know, keep reeling, keep reeling, rod tip down, wind, wind, wind. Keep coming, keep coming, just wind, wind down, wind down. Wind down, wind down. And lift up, lift up. He'll turn around soon. And just don't let that rod go slack at all, that's all. At one point, Muncie said, when it did a second jump out of the water that uh, absolutely he said, I reckon it's a metre you've got, Aaron. So, you know, <laughs> there was extra huge pressure. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Aaron, how do you feel? Holy hell! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Beside myself. Just so, so happy. So um, in shock. I couldn't believe how huge the fish was. 
I couldn't even lift it up. They were so saying, you know, you've got to lift it up to have the photo taken. I, I was shaking so much from just sheer adrenaline pumping through my veins. The look of shock and horror on her face when we got this thing in the net was pretty priceless. So I was the net man and I was really quite surprised about how heavy this thing was. Um, it was probably about 23 or 24 kilo. And it was a big fish. I think for the first time in Erin's life, she was actually speechless. She didn't say much, just had a shocked look on her face. I just had to sit down and put it on my lap because I couldn't do anything else. I physically wasn't able to do anything else at that stage. And we were all just cheering massively and the guys were ecstatic. That was the first metery that uh, Muncie had had on board the boat ever, so he was ecstatic. We were just all beside ourselves. We made sure that we put a bottle of bubbles on the boat just in case. I, I thought that might have been tempting fate, of course, but... Um no, it didn't turn out to be bad luck at all. And uh, the first thing she did was crack the bottle of champagne and uh, we drank it all the way back to the boat ramp. Clearly, I can't wait to get back out and fish again. <laughs> it's indescribable how exceptionally good it felt and how much I want to go out and just be, you know, trolling along every river I can find or fishing every dam I can find. And to catch some more, it's extremely addictive. That has just changed, you know, it's completely changed my life. talking about coming fishing uh, with me whenever we, whenever I want to get away. Which I'm sure is a nightmare for everyone else out there, but uh, so I have to be really cognizant of the fact that the, this was always Dave's joy together, you know, to go fishing with his mates or with my cars and um, have that time with the guys. Yeah, well, as uh, I've got a pretty stressful job, so uh, I like to get out and uh, and get out on my own and, and experience the solitude of fishing when I can. It's just really hard when you've had that uh, feeling, that incredible feeling. I can now understand the huge attraction to it. So, yeah, I'll just I think I'll just have to wait until I'm invited, which may never happen again. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see uh, the next day of, uh, of no fish. Um, once that occurs, we'll see how keen she is after that. I would love to be able to keep fishing together. I think it's something that, you know, if you can get a husband and wife that absolutely uh, love and are passionate about fishing and can do it together, I think that can be a really, you know, huge plus. But at the same time, it's, uh, yeah, he, he's lost, you know, I guess the, the privacy and the enjoyment of actually going out and doing his soul fishing activity. I have explained to her that fishing uh, is necessarily a peaceful and relaxing pastime and that uh, there are periods of time where two people on a fishing trip won't talk to each other at all just to keep the peace and solitude and I hope she understands that but the proof will be in the pudding the next time she comes fishing with me and we'll, we'll see how she uh, how she reacts to that. He's been very diplomatic about it so far so I think he's happy. <laughs> After we got some great photos of it, the first thing she said was, can I blow up that photo, put it in a frame with a little plaque about the date and the size of the catch? Been hanging in his man cave. After some initial reluctance, of course, I've acquiesced and said, of course you can put it up in the man cave, honey, that, that would be great. <laughs> he was really, really proud. It just, I knew how painful it was for them both, though, at the same time. <laughs> now, isn't that the opposite? of what we alluded to earlier on, Timothy, with Eddie. Mm -hmm. We talk it up, anticipate success, we predict success, we plan for success, and it guarantees failure. But this mob yeah, took this... the absolute, absolute opposite tack. Yeah, this was amazing. Took a bottle of champers, not just in case, but because we're going to bloody need it. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Mm. 
That barrel went 105, by the way. The picks are on Facebook, and it's worth a look for the pure, unadulterated surprise, wonder, and joy. On Erin's face? Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it, her face just looks like it's, it's, it's sheer incomprehensibility. Beatific. Mm. Saintly. And what a classic catch-22 of spousal fishing that situation is, right? Yeah, yes. On the one hand, a blessing to now have an activity you can share with your beloved, but on the other, whew, the loss of some, mm. something sacrosanct. Yep. The quiet solitude of fishing alone, your one true place where you know who you are and what the hell you're doing. It is a tough one, but I've I got to say, that man cave framed photo business, that's, that's a step too far. Wow. Go easy, Aaron. Go e- easy there, Tiger. Have you heard the term emasculation? Red, fast and free. Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Some say it's the scientific standard for measuring length. Some say that it gives you a guaranteed 20% more luck in catching fish. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. Which is exactly exactly what Duncan Bennett from Queensland has done, but the email's gone a little bit awry. It actually ended up in the inbox of the HR manager at the ABC <laughs> in Ultimo, Sydney headquarters. And, and, <laughs> and, and I can assure you, that is not where Neville works. <laughs> no, Neville's quite frowned on. We've, we've got a, a navigational ban. There's a clearance of airspace of about five kilometres around Ultimo and Sydney where the ABC headquarters is. Mm-hmm. Neville, don't go there. Over the years, he's taken up a lot of Tales from the Tinny's industrial relations issues. <laughs> Director HR in Ultimo on our behalf. And he's, he's, not a great, he's not a great negotiator, let's face and it. And laying a turd in the head office of HR Sydney <laughs> Ultimo Neville has that not... doesn't give you any brownie not, points. You know, we're excluded from the current EBA underway. <laughs> <laughs> the excrement agreement. So in future, don't, under any circumstances, send your sticker request to HR in Sydney. <laughs> Anyway, it did filter down to us eventually through channels with uh, emails just uh, titled question mark, question mark, question <laughs> yeah, mark. Yeah, what the hell is We must have an insider, a, mo- <laughs> a mole in HR. <laughs> G'day, says Duncan. How do I get hold of one of Tim and Robert's official size stickers? He apologises for Cyclone Trevor doing us wrong and uh, your confession is heard, acknowledged and, and, and appreciated. greatly appreciated, yeah. Duncan. The sticker is on the way, my friend. But next time, fishing at abc.net.au, please. All messages on Facebook. Aiden is with the Fat Slugs crew. Hey, Tinny boys. Decided to check out Yellow Waters for the first time over Easter weekend, along with three other of the uh, flat, Fat Slugs, <laughs> Riley, Hayden and my brother Greer. Oh, Greer Slug, that'll be. Came across some pretty good luck on the second day. Check this out, Rob. he just caught a little 50 barra. Hmm. He got the hooks out and just put the lure on the esky. Oh, hang on. Yeah. I know what's coming here. Oh, you're thinking a lure in the foot or face? No, no. No, no. We were due another couple of beers, so I grabbed the lure and I just chucked it over the side of the boat to get it out of the way. Got the beers sorted, grabbed my rod for another flick, but it left it in free spool. Mm. I was sure it was snagged on the bottom. This is precisely what I was thinking. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. I can feel it coming. That turns out that snag, it was a 70 centimetre barra. It awesome. must have just peeled off very nicely. Beer in hand. Also ended up with an 84 barrow a bit later on and a good number of smaller ones. Uh, not surprisingly, the luck came to uh, came at a bit of a price on the last day after a good morning of barrow in the 60s. Gee, 
slugs. This sounds like all right fishing at it yellow does, water. Yeah, solid. Mm. I had one last cast, got a tip wrap, and just as this happened, I hooked the angriest, strongest, not even legal barra I've ever seen. <laughs> Full of bad barra beans. <laughs> Snap goes my two-week-old, very expensive rod. Either way, it was worth it. Had a bloody good time out there. Any chance we could score one of those red go fast? Why, 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 one twenty delighter fish measuring stickers? Cheers, boys. The flat slugs. Uh, the fat hey, slugs. <laughs> Aiden, um, we will send one to you, man. But can you email or message us back if the other slug crews want one as well? Even if they don't have a boat, if they want it for the esky or the beer fridge or the back of the ute or whatever, we'll send one out to each of you. Fishing at abc.net.au is the place to get. Yeah, uh, we all know Packy Andy, of course, but uh, here. Uh, in ABC Radio Darwin, he does a little bit of a, a, a different spot on breakfast with the local ABC Darwin presenter, Jolene Laverty, oh, to fish, talk about fishing. Fish talk on a Friday. Fish talk on a Friday. And uh, a mention came up of a mate of Jolene's from Canberra. There's only one segment on the ABC that he listens to. This is a good personal friend of mine. The only thing he listens to is the podcast of Tales from the Tinny at night when he goes to bed. It's his favourite thing. What a champion. What a champion. <laughs> what, a, what a guy. <laughs> I'm assuming he's already got one of our uh, red Go Fast Fish measuring stickers. I don't know if he if does. If he doesn't. Um, what's his name? Rolf. Rolf, <laughs> Rolf, there's, there's going to be one in the mail for you this afternoon. There will indeed, Rolf. Good on you, Rolf. I don't know that many people that uh, use us as a little shopperific, a little not off tonic, but whatever floats your boat, Rolf, and we're glad to have you on board. A lot of for those with sleep apnea or sleep problems, a lot of non-fishos find this an extremely effective way to go to sleep. <laughs> so boring. All they do is talk about bloody fish. Tales from the Tinny. Hi, it's Malita here. Uh, spent the weekend down at Dundee and uh, had a pretty amazing day on Friday. Was able to knock into a few goldies and on the trip home ran into a nice-sized triple tail. How nice a size are we talking here? Well, I'd call it 55 to 60. We didn't measure it. We're so excited about it. Um, Hubby's calling for 60 to 65. So a pretty good triple tail, I reckon. Belita, you're a very experienced fisher who's put a lot of hours in on the water. How many triple tails have you actually come across? Maybe five and caught two or three. So tough tough going it's not something you see every day and it's not something you really target because they're so hard to find Hmm. so yeah it was exciting catch this one all right talk me through it did you catch it off like a bit of flotsam or something uh no no open water it was filthy we'd actually just stopped to grab a couple of roadies out of the esky (laughs) or uh would you call them roadies anyway grabbed a couple of beers out of the esky and uh when we pulled up Jason's just spotted this thing floating along on its side, gently put the boat in reverse so we didn't run it over. Um, I happened to have a Junior B52 on one of my rods and chucked the perfect cast (laughs) and, yeah, ran it straight past its nose and it came at me like a freight train. It was so good. I hit hard and it was actually a quick, hard fight and netted very fast. You would think having 
you know, effectively three tails, that the fight would be hard. Yes, it was. And, you know, they sort of do turn sideways to keep the, most of the body in the water, so a bit of a harder fight than the barra, but I managed to get it in. You don't see them that often, so I was pretty proud of it. You mentioned goldies before. Tell me about the rest of your weekend. What was the, what was the plan fishing? Went round past Point Blaze and we had a few marks in one spot so we picked up a couple of good goldies there uh, mum picked up one that went 70 <laughs> 70 goldie <laughs> yeah mum mum actually nailed it this weekend she's had it last few trips she hasn't done so well but the this time she knocked into a few good goldies so it was good to see she didn't she would not get up and fight any of them because uh, at 72 her balance on the boat is not so good anymore so she sat and fought all her fish <laughs> whoa how does that go well when it came to the tuna i had to finish the fight for her because she she just couldn't get up she was just like nah nah not standing up but the goldie she smashed them all in yeah so she also got a couple of 60s as well so you know normal isn't it no uh, it was uh, pretty amazing so pulling up these goldies um what what kind of bottom rocky bottom so reefy so there was patches of reef where we were. Once we hit the mud, we'd sort of move and go find the reef again. So drift along as far as we could. You know when you're on rock because you snag it. <laughs> how deep? Uh, we would have been in four, five metres of water. We weren't that deep. Good-sized goldies for that depth of water. <laughs> yeah, it was, and thankfully, because imagine if it was deep and had to pull up one of those. <laughs> On Barragir. This is all on Barragir, mind you. And before we bagged out, we decided to pull up from there and go and try somewhere different. And we ran into Trevally's. So we fought those until my shoulders hurt too much. And I was, because I was on light, I've changed over the light gear. So on the sort of two kilo rod, it's <laughs> it's a hectic fight. What were you getting the Trevors on? Vibes. I was using the 65 mil, so the little tiny ones at every drop. So it got got a bit tiresome my shoulders were a bit sore from i'd just finished a comp so i was a little bit tired poked around we knew that the tuna had been about so poked around found some tuna got a couple said yep that's enough there's a bit of blood in my boat so that was, it was over then oh, oh, <laughs> oh, no more tuna how dare they yeah they straighted the esky those ones so the esky was getting a little bit on the full side and we have a separate esky just for the fish. What an awful problem to have. Oh, it was actually. It was mm. terrible. So we're like, oh, do we go and have a barra fish or not? So we poked in, had a look, and it was blowing an easterly. So where we wanted a fish, the wind was coming straight in on it. And the water was dirty. It was a bit lumpy. Headed home. And picked up a 55 to 60 centimetre triple tail on the way home. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> Now, Melita, the other thing I wanted to bring up with you was the fact that your hubby is on a billboard. Yeah, just ask him. <laughs> He's on a billboard. Yeah. What's that like, having a husband on a billboard? Ah, uh, yeah, look, it's fantastic. He tells you all about it. Yeah, what does he say? I'm on a billboard. I'm on a billboard. Do you know I'm on a billboard? Have you seen me at the airport? I'm on a billboard. <laughs> Has your relationship changed at all since he got on a billboard? I think he would have liked it to. Uh, I think he's expecting me to bow down a little bit. It's 
still not there yet, but I'm working on it. Maybe in the next billboard. I mean, surely that's the sign that you've made it, right? Your face is on a billboard. You would think so. He thinks so. So, yeah. What do you think of the idea of people just, you know, the billboard and questions out at the airport, of, of just visitors just disembarking and Jace is one of the first faces they see on a billboard? Taste of the territory, everybody tasted the territory. <laughs> Sorry, Jace. <laughs> Love you. Thanks for catching up, Melita. No worries at all, thank you. I'm on a billboard. <laughs> He's on a billboard, is Jace. Hey, did anyone, if you've just joined the podcast or on air, this bloke, Jace Rogers, who we talked to a bit on the tin, he is now on a billboard. We've seen pictures of him in front of him on a billboard. It's true, he's on a billboard. It's uh, You just draw a line under your career, doesn't it? That's highlight. Yeah, it doesn't get any better. doesn't get any better. Oh, unless unless you do get a second billboard. Then Melita will care. <laughs> yeah, Jay spends a fair bit of time away from Darwin at the moment, so the frequency with which oh, he yeah. must see himself oh, yeah. up there, flying back and out and back and out, <laughs> is pretty high. I wonder what he does. Gives the billboard a bit of a nod and a thumbs up. Well uh, done, fella. Well played. Uh, g'day, mate. How you going? What a, what a good-looking rooster. I bet I'm you every it. time he goes out in the cab, he waits, he gets his timing right, the ca- he says, hey, cabby, look at that good-looking rooster. How do we get on a billboard? Who do we need to talk to in HR? I think it might be a wanted poster. Tales from the Tinny. G'day, Ryan from Palmerston here. Uh, a recent trip I had out to Fenton. Last set of neeps. Uh, punched out there in the morning with my brother-in-law over from Cairns, taking for a fish, showing a bit of down. We headed out. Weather was looking all right. It was a bit choppy on the way out, and then it glassed out. Absolutely fantastic out there. Tried some of the usual marks, some of the well-known ones, sounded around for a bit. Not much happening on most of them. Uh, we did have a big pot of dolphins follow us around for a bit. Sounded around some other spots, found some gravel patches, drifted over them, started picking up a few redfish, cut the snapper and stuff. It was starting to pick up from there. Fishing was looking all right at that point, and uh, next thing we know, this little uh, visitor decided to jump on board our boat. We both sort of looked at each other and thought, hang on, what's going on here? Uh, it's this little fella, he looked like he's in, in a bit of strife, fellow fisherman in need of help. Uh, he landed up on the boat, little kingfisher. We're sort of 20 miles from the nearest bit of land. And uh, this little fella just landed up on the boat and sort of looked at us like, yeah, don't mind me, boys. So we didn't. We just kept fishing. Sort of gave him a bit of time up there thinking he might move on and, and just see what's happening. And uh, after a while, I uh, might see if this little fella needs some help. So I needed to check the sounder anyway. We'd stopped getting fish, needed to move. So I went over to him. He wasn't fussed, just looked at me like, how you going? Thought, oh, I had a budgie as a kid. And, uh, you know, you used to pick them up on your finger and take him around the place it wasn't too bad so i thought i'll give it a go with this put my finger up to him he hops on my finger geez that's a bit different what are you in some sort of like 50s musical or something <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it's a bit of a strange couple of days with uh animals a little bit like dr doolittle or something there the dolphins talking to us as we're powering along if i could walk with the animals talk with the animals grunt and squeak and squawk with the animals what do you think the go was? Do you think it was just sort of doing a long fly and just got stuffed? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, he might have been picked up in a thermal or something and, and blown off course a bit. Uh, he definitely didn't look like he was at home out there on the water. He was looking pretty unhappy with life. Andrew grabbed some water for me and poured it over the top of him, a bit of a bath, gave him a bit of a drink, he got some fresh in and he sort of looked at me to say, yeah, thanks mate. We had to move so 
uh, either the perch he was on wasn't real comfortable, a bit of metal, nothing for him to grip. So I grabbed an old singlet that I've got there as a fish rag on the boat, chucked it up over the grab rail. And he sat up there perched on the dash, happy as. We've moved around three or four different spots. He was just happy as looking around the place. Didn't even mind that he shot on the new boat. I think he was probably there for about an hour. Um, we kept fishing, got a really nice goldie, uh, 60 centimetres. After a while, he got his bearings again, shook himself off, tried to fly off straight into the glass up on the front of the cuddy cap there. Again, went and picked him up like the old budgerigar, sat him up on the roof, got his bearings and uh, flew off. And uh, that was our nice little visit from a pretty little blue kingfisher. So Ryan, you've been a good 18 months without a boat. Uh, you've just saved your bickies for a cuddy cab, bring on the dry season, eh? Yeah, mate. Looking forward to the uh, tuna turning up and uh, getting out there amongst the blue water. And who knows what, enc- what animal encounter Dr. Doolittle will have next time. <laughs> Cheers, dude. And they can squeak and squawk and speak and talk to me. G'day, it's Ronald from Fishing and Outdoor World. Ronald, uh, Mindel is underway. The skies are clear. The wind is up. The barracomps on the daily are about to kick off. What the hell happened to our wet season? You forgot I was going for a run this morning and kept bumping into dragonflies, mate. So <laughs> that's definitely... Taking an eye out. What a wet season, mate. Although in saying that, I was talking to some lads from Gundawindi. So just when we were crying poor, they haven't had rain for two years. So I'll take the glass uh, half full approach. But yeah, no, it's pretty disappointing. But bring on the dry season and the blue water seems to be on with a vengeance. Mm, we were speaking to Chris Hurt here a couple of weeks ago who projected that often when you have a really crap wet season the blue goes nuts and so far it's it's starting to look that way. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. That um, that dewy run, which is, is interesting because I always assumed the dewies were like the barren and really thrived on a, on a good wet season but just seems to be going nuts at the moment. You're sort of hearing just at, at Charles Point locally and then down at Dundee's crazy. Uh, a couple of lads were there last set of tides and just jigging vibes in the shallows had a ball on baitcaster gear in, in around point jenny and that was was really good on on dewey's um and even managed to raise a, a micro black and a sail to top it off so they had a good day there those that are venturing out wide um heaps of sort of emperor and big nannies off that pipeline and stuff that's another little sort of boom and while it's a, you know, a bit far to travel if, if you're prepared to do that run out there it can be rewarding yeah, hearing a lot of uh, similar reports. I'm hearing reports from a few people about good uh, goldies getting caught in shallow too, which is how you like them, and you know, on barra gear and stuff like that, so you can catch and release. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I don't know, Smithy. I, I've seen in a good way. A, a sort of, I think people have, I guess, accepted the the smaller bag limits as such, but probably targeting them a little differently with vibes, with with some lighter gear, and I guess enjoying having some fun rather than using the old big TLD on big rod and just skull drag them up and you got your bag limit in five minutes and, oh, what do we do next? So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, and, and looking from, as you said, in the shallows and where you can maybe do a bit of sport fishing and letting them go. So I think it's necessity breeding invention and people are you know, just thinking outside the, the box a little bit. I think that baritrauma message has had, like, real cut through and generally, as a general rule, territory fishers are pretty mindful of protecting the resource because, you know, it's our thing, isn't it? It was when they sort of proposed closure zones and all that very unterritorial. I think some people thought the sky was going to fall in, but (laughs) it's been shown that obviously it has its merits and, you know, we don't, I guess, ever want to, you know, see the big swathes of marine parks getting closed like you see on the the East Coast and locking fishers out, but definitely some strategic things like that's happened. The results seem to speak for themselves, but, you know, the fishing's been pretty good and, yeah, definitely a a nice, um, I guess... uh, 
just nice the fact that we are getting a few, the blue water's been good because the barra fishing has been hard. But in saying that, I think you know the barra, if we people who've accepted that there's no runoff and been fishing like build up, have been having some good success. You know, obviously past you know on that um, east alligator and up to Merganella coastline there and down towards the daily here and a few things happening so yeah fish it like build up seems to be the message so uh the comps coming up uh what are you hearing tactics for the daily fish it like the build up or fish it like the dry season well i, I know we've just had a few lads in and it's it's been soft plastics and, and vibes so i think a lot of people will take away um take something out of what the uh the team edge rods did last year with the the way they sort of you know did it fish and shook it up they did shake it up and uh so but i think because it's the rivers i guess just settling now got nothing to read off we didn't get a read off the 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 ladies comp obviously because they just had those you know terrible conditions for them that was that was a real shame but uh, they remained enthusiastic nonetheless but yeah i thought that might have given you a bit of a read as to what was going to happen but yeah the 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 classic will be first cab off the rank and we'll yeah we'll we'll get a get a feel for what that river's going to do whether there's fish sitting in the snags or whether we've just got to focus on fish coming up the river with the tides i suppose and the tactics will probably morph through the duration of the comp i'm guessing you mentioned the east and merganella there's a lot of people waiting on a possible bit of a window at the top of the south too well maddie was there over over easter and he said it's pretty pretty good there's still quite a bit of water coming down and it, it's not you're not getting bucket loads of fish but there's enough to keep you interested and I think his father-in-law got a 91 and an 85 just plastics over the rock bars up the top there and Maddie likes pushing up with the the incoming tide just at the the top there and just work your way back fishing all those sort of edges um he said Brian Spick one of the barra guides there got a 109 a couple of days ago or something so there's again it's you just don't set your don't aim too high like it's just not one of them years where you're not happy unless you're getting 50 barra and you know coming over the side sort of thing you just yeah aim a little lower and you won't be disappointed now dry season our focus often is to pelagics and billabongs let's uh, talk pelagics first what are you hearing yeah well the pelagic lots of lots of tuna um i believe the mackies are starting to happen mainly again talking to people out off dundee um haven't talked to anyone who's done sort of north gutter or anything yet so interesting to see if the tuna schools and mackerel are out there waiting to come in as the the, the water temps drop but yeah just dundee obviously there's a lot of bait out there and there's just lots of lots of fish so, but there's obviously the focus we've got this weekend the um the carton comp so we'll again we'll hear we'll hear a bit more on that as to what the general feel is whether you know fellas are having their their baits all chewed up by hordes of mackerel that's probably not what they want but it'd be good in other ways meaning that there's plenty (laughs) plenty of mackerel around um so yeah well it'll be a watch his space sort of thing i guess and the billabongs what do you think how does it it doesn't look well does it well just i've only talked to a few people that have fished corroboree and there was some fish caught but she's pretty heavily weeded as we'd expect so i think we'd just um it'll be yeah, I've been the people that have been in there have been fishing. Yeah, weedless. They've been coming in and buying sort of three to four inch soft plastics on you know weedless hooks and doing some exploring that way. But yeah, the the billabongs are never great. But uh, it'll be interesting. I remember when Corroboree was well weeded over, and the the lads still were finding them over night time, sort of trolling big, big shallow runners up the guts at mm. night time. So yeah, we'll we'll see. We're the Barra crew up here are pretty. Uh, pretty adaptable species so they'll find something it'll it'll surprise us nonetheless now we're in the midst of the excitement 
Ronald of a, of a federal election campaign. Oh. Oh. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon our chances are? Should we start the push now? What do you think? Half a dozen oil rigs just permanently moored between, say, 20 and 50 k's offshore? What do you reckon? I can't see it can just be a holding zone for them. I mean, that, that's... Like a Woolies parking lot. It really kept an eye on that Stenner Clyde. It had its own, you know, when that was out there, gee, that'd, that'd be nice. Well... Yeah, we like that. But I think we started to call it our Stenner Clyde, didn't we? We, I just think we felt we owned it by virtue. It was parked on our doorstep for that long. That'd be great. Um, but looking forward to these um, these big superstructure type um, artificial reefs that are going to go down. And there's a bit of chatting to Evert Fisheries, and you know, there's a bit of work being done. Obviously, it'll be more than just your traditional sunken wreck harbouring shopping trolleys and whatever yeah harbouring a few you know good for jewies and other things i think it's it's all designed to enhance that ecosystem promote bait growth and all that so yeah there's it's a bit proactive and i'm pretty passionate about that sort of thing because you know i was on that committee and helping the government spend that 50 million that was definitely high on my priority sort of fads and and sort of some some better quality artificial reefs just to just to give us more options out there so that we're not always just targeting you know, you go to you know, Dewey's and a few snapper and that's it. Give you give you options, just like the Stenner Clyde was when it was out there. And also, so my chromie sales increased because we, we ain't been selling. They used to just fall off the wall there. There was that many chromies getting sold because the mackerel were just, you know, chewing into oblivion. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Good on you, Ronnie. Your pleasure as always. Tight lines. Have a great weekend. There's not much you can really do when you're stuck on a sandbar. They smash it. It's got a bit of paint missing. It's a big jig. This thing is bulletproof. Tales from the Tinny. That about wraps us for another week of the Tinny as we move solidly into the dry season. Thanks for everyone who contributed to this week's show. Keep the yarns coming. And a special mention, actually, to Dwayne and Hannah, who who flicked us a yarn this week. This is Dwayne Devaney with the fiery red beard and the bald head and forgets beer when he goes fishing. And and Hannah. (laughs) And bellows at you from across a billabong. That's it. Hey, Smith! These guys do amazing pieces to camera in their Facebook videos, like this one this week. Hey, Barra. What do you reckon of this place? It's pretty good. Barra Barra Monday Barra. Central. <laughs> I didn't know that there was a party here, Barry. Thanks for inviting us. Oh, you didn't measure it. You didn't measure it. Fifty-three. Fifty-three. It's fifty-three. It was a fifty-three. 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 Barra Barra. Central. <laughs> Ah, what about the whispering and the calling and the ululation? It's kind of erotic and weird oh, and sensual. And I like it. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> All at the same time. What they've done there is set a new standard in fish poses, breaking new ground, kind of like swimwear magazine of sensual, creative, and, and, and these groundbreaking new pose moves, mm. particularly the one, Hannah, of you with the twin barra earrings. Oh. Gorgeous. Check oh. it out on Facebook. Innovation. The only problem is when you're being a pioneer, like in that video, exploring a new pose, you do occasionally lose them before you measure them. Oh, you didn't measure it. You didn't measure it. 53. 53. Cheers to you, Dwayne and Hannah. I think you pretty much summed up how some of us feel about catching a barra. Maybe not all. Thanks very much this week to Anthony Bergamo, Eddie Evil, Knievel, Timpson, Aaron and Dave. Big good, both of you. Cheers to Melita McKinnon. Do you know her other hearts on a, on a bloody billboard? Ryan Free, a.k.a. Dr. Doolittle, Ronnie Vukalos, and as always, Warren DeWitt for tolerating us haranguing him week out, weekend. Now, you remember earlier on, Timothy, we were talking about Rolf from Canberra, who uh, was mentioned to 
Yeah, oh, he, he wanted a sticker. On local breakfast. Well, well, that's not all. Can you have a shout out to Rolf on the show tonight so that he can go, what? Because <laughs> he's not listening now, obviously. He wouldn't have no idea that we've had this conversation. We, maybe we should say sweet dreams, Rolf, at the end of it, oh, just as he's dozing off. great. Could you please do that? We can do that. That would be magic. So, sweet prince, Rolf, as you listen to the pod and head... To the land of the Nod, get a mullet up, you matey. I'm just a gentle Guns N' Roses classic, dancing along In a sunken breeze. snack. <laughs> Calmly, peacefully, awaiting the almighty wallop from a nearby barramundi. Kaboosh! Nighty night, fishers. Nighty night, Rolfie. Sweet dreams, sweetheart. We'll be back <laughs> next week in your nightmare. <laughs>